0: Okay, so we've covered only uh, the first two chapters of the book of Exodus so far, and and this morning we're going to pick up in uh, chapter three, and you can go ahead and turn there. Now, in chapter one, we 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 studied the Egyptian racism that led to Jewish oppression, and how everyone forgot about the God of Joseph who had delivered them from the famine. And it, I mean, come on, isn't that how it always is? There, there is a tendency for future generations to forget how the, uh, 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 how the former generation did things. And, and there's, there's actually a story I, I once heard that describes this, I mean, really well. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead and say it. Here it is. This is a really good story. I, I think uh, it really describes this same idea. Uh, it goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a small, beautiful town nestled right next to a river. The people in that town were genuinely happy people and and lo- loved where they lived. Uh, however, over the years, the river would at times flood over its banks and destroy its homes and businesses. And, and at first, people didn't think much about it. They, they looked at it as part of the hardships of life, right? After all, it was only a few times a year. You know, they could easily rebuild. You know, another year rolls by, the river starts to flood more frequently until one day it floods the entire town you know, town. It leaves families and and businesses destroyed in its wake, right? So they have a town meeting and it's prepared. And and, and after a vote, it's decided they're going to build up this wall around the river. And while they love to uh, look at the river and they enjoy its beauty, the destructive nature of it was just too much. So they worked together and they built this beautiful wall that would guard them from the river. The wall kept the small town safe for Oh man, for years until uh, one day a generation that had never witnessed the destruction of the flood questioned why it was built at all. And, and, you know, while they marveled at its construction, uh, but the issue is when the river looks so beautiful, they just pondered how much more better their lives would be if the wall wasn't there at all. So one day the people came together, they decided to tear the wall down, and for a season they enjoyed the beauty of the river until one day a giant flood rampaged the city and swept everything that had been built away. Now, That's the cycle of life, isn't it? This is where Exodus starts with the ignorance and forgetfulness of human nature on display. The Pharaoh that set Joseph up as prince, he's dead. New leadership is on the throne that's completely ignorant of the past, who is driven by fear and selfishness. The atmosphere in Egypt changes and the Jews who were once their friends and their salvation are turned into slaves and property. So God takes matters into His own hand, right? A child is born. Man, does that sound familiar? There are all kind of parallels between Moses and Jesus, uh, but there are really many parallels between Moses and all the prophets after him. They all answered a call. They, 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 they all felt unworthy. However, they, they did persevere and they walked forward with God. And this is where we begin in chapter three, at the beginning of the walk at the. At the calling of God. So, if you have your Bibles this morning, it's Exodus chapter three. We're we're in the first six verses right now, and uh, I will go ahead and read them. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Let's pray real quick. Father, as we jump into your word this morning, God, that we we would just pray that you would take your word and make it a seed to our heart. Grow it, Lord, as you see fit. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, when we all say Amen, Amen. Life had gone on with Moses. He left Egypt behind in his past, and there it rested. His His ideas and and dreams of justice laid also in the past time had had changed him into a a husband, into a father, and even into a shepherd and farmer. The prince of Egypt was no more. There were no uh, dreams of going back. Uh, There were no dreams of going back to try again. However, something did grab his curiosity on that day, a burning bush that was not burning. Now, can I ask you a question this morning? How has God grabbed your curiosity? How has God grabbed your curiosity? For Moses, it was a burning bush, but that but wasn't really burning, right? For me, it was a couple of kids at youth camp reminding me of that gut feeling you get when God shows up in your life to change your circumstances. And And really to change you. It looks different for each person, right? For Jeremiah, God came in the form of his word, giving Jeremiah prophetic words and visions. For Isaiah, God prepared, God appeared as the, you know, the El Shaddai, God Almighty, with angels all around him, singing. For Ezekiel, God appeared through a vision of heavenly, of heaven and heavenly host. Um, In 2,000 years, the one thing that hasn't changed is God. God is still showing up and revealing himself to his people. He still knows how to grab your attention. He knows more than anyone what grabs your curiosity. This is a specialty that belongs to the Father. What's even greater is how important this event becomes in the life of a believer. God reminds Moses that this is holy ground. There's nothing in the ground that makes that piece of dirt holy. It is holy in that moment because God is holy. It is holy because this is where Moses is confronted by the creator of the universe. It is holy because of God alone. In the same way, the ground where Jeremiah, Isaiah, Isaiah and Ezekiel met God was also holy. And the same goes for you. The ground where you met the Lord and he gave you spiritual sight is holy. The place where God calls you is always holy. There are just some things that are sacred, which means holy, such as where God called you. His commands, what God tells us, are sacred. What is sacred? Sacred means connected with God. It is something that is dedicated or devoted or consecrated and deeply spiritual. For Moses, this bush is sacred. This ground is sacred. It is sacred because this is where the spiritual journey with God is begins. This is where Moses is introduced to faith and the journey of faith. For Moses, his beginning as a man who speaks for God begins. The things he will see now, because he walks with God, will change his life. He will walk with the supernatural and be changed. Church, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Amen. Did you notice that in this introduction to God, that God made sure to announce himself? As the God of your fathers, he is the father of fathers. From this beginning, God announced himself as the God of the living. Jesus confirmed this in Mark 12. God isn't some God caring for things not of this world. Rather, he is the father of fathers, concerned about the cries of his children. Look at the rest of the chapter. Go go to verse 7 there in Exodus 3. It says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to do a good and broad land. And a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, and you shall plunder the Egyptians. So finally, right? This is the why Moses is called. This is his mission to go and to tell the Egyptians that God, what God is asking from them. This is the mission of the prophet. And Moses isn't the one who has decided this. No, this God did. This, this isn't his reborn life into social justice. No, this is the call of God. These aren't his words that he'll be reciting to the people. No, these are the words of God. One of my favorite scriptures of all time is found in the New Testament. I think it speaks highly to the words that uh, the called speak. John three thirty four. I used to say this a lot right before I would preach or Uh, Or teach early on in ministry. John 3 34 says, For whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The called speak the words of God, plain and simple. Moses has been called, and now he has been given the words to say and speak to carry out the mission that God has placed him on. It isn't up to Moses to succeed. Let me say that again. It isn't up to Moses to succeed. No, it's it's up to him to be obedient. It's up to him to just do what he's been told to do, right? Is it any wonder that Paul, you know, the, old, the great Old Testament scholar, talks so militant to a young Timothy? Uh, 2 Timothy 2.4 reads, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim, his aim, it is to please the one who enlisted him. This is the role of the called. And by the way, you've all been called. You understand that, right? You've been called to carry out the great commission given to us by Jesus, the Son of God, to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, listen, obey the commands of Jesus, right? What words will you say? I'm going tell you, it's real simple. You'll use the words, the ones that God tells you to say. Jesus said not to even worry about it. Matthew 10, 19, and 20, don't be anxious, about how you speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Man, right? The prophet or the called one is now complete, right? He is made, molded, and forged by God alone. Right, the called person is a rescued person and a sent person. He's a he's 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 he is on mission and uh, obedient. He is a friend of God. He is sent to offer the promises of God on behalf of God. This is you, my friend. Paul looked at it this way, and listen, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll close on it with these kind of thoughts here, or at least move to start closing. 2 Corinthians 5, start of verse 16, says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God so we we like Moses have a specific call and task by the God of our fathers right We are to be the ambassadors for Christ. We are to be the bridge of reconciliation for others to find and accept Christ. We've been called to something sacred. We've been called to something holy and set apart, just like Moses, just like Jeremiah, just like Isaiah, just like Ezekiel. We now must be like them and answer the call. We must move forward. We must be uh, men and women praying and working towards the obedience of God, working as we were once reconciled, helping God or being the uh, antenna or the beacon or whatever you want to call it. We must be now the, the ambassador of reconciliation for others, helping people find that connection and reconnect. With God, And that starts this morning with you. It starts this morning with you. You, like Moses, have been called. You, like Moses, have been drawn out. And man, don't think about the things you're going to say. Jesus promised you the Holy Spirit will come to you and say the things in the right hour. Your responsibility to this this morning, my friends, is to be obedient. Obedient. And that God knows that you love him. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your words this morning. And we just ask that, God, you would continue to do a great and mighty thing in our church, in our city, Lord, and in our nation, God, amongst our believers. Father, we understand that these four walls are not the church, God. Lord, but your people are the church. Lord, let us be a movement once more again and let us see the day of revival, Lord, and the day when you return and call us back to you, Father. Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory for it. And everyone says, Amen, Amen. All right. You have a good morning, guys. I love you.